Welcome in. It's a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. Uh, preseason camp rolls on for Penn State. We got another practice availability towards the tail end of a Wednesday evening session. Also caught up with James Franklin, uh, defensive recruiting coordinator Terry Smith, a couple of the players available as well, Jan Johnson, Nick Bowers. So uh, beginning to learn slowly but surely more about this 2019 Nittany Lions squad. We're going to learn a lot more about the 2020 recruiting class for Penn State when Nick Dawkins joins us here later on in the episode. Uh, Hopefully you caught our first interview with Nick a couple of months ago off of his commitment. Things have changed a lot as we'll discuss with Nick. Uh, He was the new kid last time we spoke, and and we got some of the background with his father, uh, Daryl Dawkins, a a, a great former NBA player. Um, But but now he is a veteran in this class, and and things have changed a lot in the summer. He's going to break things down, tell us who he's feeling good about, and give us a little more insight on some of the personalities of this Penn State recruiting class. I know this cycle has driven some people crazy with the roller coaster tendencies. I have a feeling people will feel a little bit more comfortable after Nick Dawkins kind of communicates with us how this class is developing and now we bring in Sean Fitz um, Sean uh, as I said I think Nick's going to be the star of this show he's got a huge personality always happy to get him on uh, but we got some Penn State football to talk about as they're nearly a week into camp be the uh, star of this show as we mentioned I think earlier this week we kind of called him the recruiting coordinator but he's, he's he's been the guy that everyone has turned to for for thoughts on this class I've seen it uh, a couple different sites and, and and publications have gone to him and and we're no different than that let's be honest um, no, but uh, Nick's always great insight. Uh, this is a kid that, I mean, when he came onto the scene, no offers or anything like that. You know, you, you knew talking to him then that, you know, this kid had a special personality. So he's that's kind of come out and, you know, matured in the last couple of months as he's been a Penn State commit. By the way, I'm out of the office right now, so my audio uh, sucks compared to Tyler's. I apologize for that. Uh, usually you like to get away from my anniversary, so I'm spending, Tyler, I'm spending my 10-year anniversary day with you recording a podcast. So you're welcome. Uh, well, as I, as I spoke to you about this podcast, uh, I just kicked my wife out of my recording studio, and, and by that I mean woke her up from our bedroom uh, to record this. So, Husbands of the Year candidates on the Lines 24-7 podcast. We'll, we'll get you back to, to her in a moment, Sean, and I'll have to go address the situation with my wife after after we get off here. But but let's talk Penn State football. Um, you know, on Wednesday evening, it was me and our and our intern extraordinaire Grace Brennan. Uh, you and Mark not on the practice field this time around, but that was okay because uh, we got a lot of insight. Uh, you know, because I do think. Uh, you know, we talked about the athleticism for Penn State, and we're going to get into that now. Um, but but across the field, th- there's a lot of positive signs. I think the coaching staff, the, the way they're kind of you know, kind of seem like they have a lot of pep in their step, and I just get the sense that the roster has meshed pretty well despite all the changes. You know, these younger players, the confidence is there. I think they've taken a lot of ownership on that field, and and obviously, I'm reading a lot into this. This team's going to have to face adverse moments, not just in camp, but but once they get into August and September, game and all that stuff but I think the staff as well there's just a personality to this team and to this coaching staff as a whole that I just from the outside looking in it seems like an improvement upon the 2018 edition get out the practice field and you, you don't see those guys that left you don't you don't notice that they're missing maybe with the exception of Tommy Stevens you don't notice that those guys aren't there so that's a good sign especially I mean what would they lose 15 guys 
um, with eligibility remaining. So it's not really, uh, you would expect more of a drop-off at some spots. There, there, I mean, you look across the field, and the first thing that really jumps out to you is this defensive line. And, and I think that's really where Penn State's going to make its bread the entire year is to, uh, to get after the quarterback. And you saw it last night at practice. You and I were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, that, that, that offensive line has a ways to go. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at the same time, I mean, they're going up against one of the best defensive lines in the country. They got to the quarterback uh, when you were there on Wednesday evening, and I don't think that's gonna. I think that's gonna be a storyline throughout the month. Yeah, just be grateful that Itor Grossmatos and uh, Sean Clifford wear the same uniform because he had an opportunity to really destroy Clifford if he wanted to on Wednesday night. I think that would have been frowned upon. But yeah, a learning lesson for Rashid Walker and the rest of this offensive line as they're going to take some lumps. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and the other thing is this defensive line, they can rotate and they bring in a second team and in some spots a third team. Uh, and, and there's not really a drop off in athleticism. Now, uh, it'll be interesting to follow. Speaking of Sean Clifford, no word on the starting quarterback yet. I know folks out there are waiting to to, to see Sean be that first team guy, and, and that's the expectation here. We talked about it a lot. Uh, Franklin's going to push this thing. He, he actually joked at the uh, at the media session after practice that uh, he'd give us an answer by bowl season on who his starting quarterback was. So he's doing everybody a favor, uh, racking up their page views and, and speculating about this. But Sean Clifford continues to get the first team reps. Will Levis was the next guy in, and, and then there's an interesting little bit of a competition beyond those two you've got to find a third quarterback who's going to really handle himself and be ready to go into a game if necessary like Sean Clifford had to last year as your number three guy Uh, so we'll have some insight on Roberson and Johnson coming up but let's start with gross mottos Sean because uh, as we spoke about on on the the past podcast he came back to campus looking really good Uh, he's he's trimmed down a bit Franklin says 255 expecting him to compete at 260 he was 265 pounds last year and uh, he flashed that obviously yesterday working against Rasheed Walker, uh, but, but not just him. Journey Brown was the other guy. You were wondering what would his status be coming off of a summer suspension in a really talented running back room. Did he lose too much ground to a guy like Noah Kane and then Devin Ford coming in and ready to roll? Tell you what, Journey Brown's got to be in the best shape of his life right now, which is saying something for a guy who was really an Olympic level kind of track sprinter in high school and led Pennsylvania high school players in touchdowns as a senior. Right now, he's added the weight, but he is elusive. We saw him juke somebody out of their shorts yesterday, and and Jan Johnson said after practice that Journey Brown has added an element of power to his game that wasn't there. And really, you combine that with the fact that Jaywan Sider says now this guy has running back vision, aside from in high school, where he just find, needed to find a little bit of space and sprint, and he would reach the end zone probably. You know, it's in, it's it's a great thing for Penn State because their running back room, you already like the three guys who are top 10 prospects, and, and, and Journey Brown is the only one in that group of the scholarship running backs who was not personally recruited by J1 Sider at some point in his process, but he's still getting those number two reps, and based on what we've seen in practice so far, he hasn't missed a beat, you know, despite missing time on campus. To him, to come back from that suspension, sort of back against the wall type of thing, and this is something that we've mentioned with Journey for, since he's been here, it's, it's not about the physical aspect of the game. He He's always, you know, he's going to be the fastest guy out there. He's going to be a potential home run threat. It's about staying focused and doing what he needs to do outside of the lines and and figuring out the academic side and figuring out how to work. Uh, You know, he's just such a naturally gifted athlete. 
but when you, when you figure out how to work, it sort of takes it to a, to a different level. So Journey's been a guy that you know when he went home for the summer, as you know, as mandated by that suspension, you you weren't sure how he was going to respond. It appears he responded well. He still has Kane and Ford right behind him, so I wouldn't be surprised if you know if the load's a little bit more even. Slade, of course, is ahead of him as well, but. I mean, there's going to be a role for, on this team for Journey Brown, whether that's you know being uh, sharing carries with Slade or or being a kick return guy or something like that. But you can use his athleticism, you can use his uh, his abilities, and for him to come back, I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago. No, no worries whatsoever whatsoever about Yitor Gross Matos working out. He's got he's got a paycheck at the end of the season coming um, that 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 aims to be pretty big. But Journey Brown's a little bit of a different story. You weren't sure how he was going to come back, how he was going to approach uh, you know being off campus and everything like that, especially with guy talented guys behind him. But he seems to have responded in kind. And, and speaking of uh, a, a returner here to the roster that has really you know had positive feedback so far this preseason from what we've seen is Matt Kippenhammer. This is a guy that was a total mystery box. Uh, he spent spring focused on baseball, two sports, two sport uh, player here at, at Penn State, uh, contributing on the baseball field, and 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 he was not on, you know, he was not working with Jared Parker all spring. He was not getting those reps and, and he understood that was a risk. I mentioned this on the last episode and speaking with him last Saturday that, that he realized he was going to have ground to make up with Jared Parker. And one of the surprises for us on Saturday was seeing him get a lot of run as the number two slot guy behind KJ Hamler. And, and he made one of the more impressive grabs in practice on Wednesday evening with Jonathan Sutherland crashing down on him, having to go full extension. Sean Clifford led him uh, nice on a nicely placed, placed pass, but in a game I do wonder if that would have ended up uh with Mac on the ground or maybe a targeting penalty involved uh, but but he he went up there and, and and he's a guy who seems to be playing with confidence and and he's factoring in on this rotation you know uh, more than than I anticipated a week into practice I thought you know it may take a while for him to climb that ladder but obviously he's made an impression on Jared Parker in in the room not just on the field the way he's carried himself and he certainly, we got to recognize that that Mac Hippenhammer has come back like a Journey Brown, albeit from different reasons, but some time away from the program. He's come back and, and he's kind of answered that bell. To be honest, he's on there just because of the rundown you wrote, Return of the Mac, and that's that's the only reason you wanted to, to include him in this. But no, Hippenhammer is an interesting story. I mean, he was a, let's let's be honest, a potential portal guy playing baseball, new, new receivers coach, so new opportunity. But at the same time, I mean, he missed his first impression by, by not going through spring ball. To see him back in there, I think he can give you something in the slot. He can move you around. He can he can help move KJ Hamler around, which is it's one of the first things James Franklin said about him last uh, on Saturday at Media Day was that they give you a little bit of versatility. So Jahan Dotson, you can move around. Hamler, you can move around. Hip and Hammer has played outside and in. Um, of course, you got other guys on the outside, but I mean, it, it suddenly gives you one more option. And hey, that that wide receiver group that you know still has to catch the ball. Let's put that caveat on every time that we talk about them. Still have to catch the ball. But still, it's looking a little better every time you see him go out there. So if they can get something out of Hip and Hammer, uh, we talked about him. We sort of lump him and Cameron Sullivan Brown together because of their class and because of coming in uh, a year ahead of the shorter Dots and George class that's that, that's been uh, really well hyped up. It's it's one of those things. If you can get something out of him, you're good. But, um, yeah, I mean, offensively, there's plenty of weapons. He's got to carve out his niche, and if, and if he doesn't, somebody else is going to come in and, and, and do his thing. Yeah, let's focus on some offensive newcomers. There's a couple on the line who, who we got a chance to see uh, you know, like some extended reps for on, on Wednesday evening with, with some of the reserve offensive linemen. Uh, interesting thing there, Sean, was Anthony Wigan, uh, 
We've seen him at tackle. He slid over to right guard um, uh, for some reps. And alongside him was Caden Wallace at, at tackle. And, and we've talked a lot about how Caden has transformed his body. And I think he certainly looks like he could play tackle now. Um, but but it's a bit of a role reversal from how we initially kind of overviewed this offensive line group with Wigan on the perimeter, Wallace as an interior guy. Um, and it, it should be noted, uh, a lot of C.J. Thorpe at right guard with, with that first unit on Wednesday evening, too. Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a role reversal, but when you think about how valuable offensive tackles are and how valuable that experience can be for Caden Wallace, Wiggins already gone through a spring practice at tackle, so it, it makes sense to slide him inside. I think the big thing here is I think Penn State's uh, working around their flexibility on the interior. They were ready to have five guys go this fall, but then, of course, Drew Scruggs gets in the car accident. The the times that we've seen them out of practice, you know, Steven Gonzalez hasn't been in there, so they've been playing with Bryce Effner at left guard, playing with Mike Miranda all over the place. So the, the, I think four of those guys are going to play with Gonzalez, Mennett, Miranda, and Thorpe. We'll see about Effner. It depends on his, his development. He probably shouldn't be be thought of as a guy that needs to be ready to play right away but uh but here we are but you move Wigan in there you keep Wallace out there you get get some reps in there I mean I I haven't heard anything about Wigan in terms of pressing for a starting spot like we thought he may still has that red shirt year available which you know that 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 might be something that come that plays into this but cross train those guys get those guys out there and get get the young guys some tackle reps because if you can play tackle we've seen in the last couple of years if you can play tackle they're going to ask you to play tackle at some point. Yeah, we'll see what they do with that red shirt up their sleeve with Wigan. That's an interesting one. And and Caden Wallace, too. You know, we'll see. Last year, they were able to preserve the red shirt with Rasheed Walker, but get him involved in four games. Maybe that's the game plan with Caden Wallace, if you can be healthy. But by the way, Des Holmes, a third-year player, redshirt sophomore, continues to be the next man up at left tackle behind Rasheed Walker. Um, another newcomer in the backfield, Michael Johnson Jr., who is a player. We knew he was a heck of an athlete. Uh, you know, impressive 40-yard dash time. A guy who went out and I think he rushed for 1,200 yards as a senior for, for a team that went to the state championship game out in Oregon. Um, he's pushing, uh, you know, trying to be that third guy. I, I think Taquan Roberson is, is more advanced as a passer. We talked about that as high school prospects coming in and, and where they were, but there was never any doubt that Michael Johnson was the superior athlete between those two. He, he's a bigger guy. He's a faster guy. And there were a couple reps there, Sean, where he drew some oohs and ahs from both sidelines, defensive guys, uh, the offensive guys, and it was mostly first-team guys on the sidelines, so they got a chance to see what this kid's all about. And I know he was on campus for spring ball, and he probably pulled this off a few times. There was one time, though, where he tucked the ball with Devin, Devin Ford in the backfield, you know, um, and, and, and then he took off left tackle, and he just burst. And, and that acceleration... You know, if there was a first down marker to get, he would have gotten it and then kept going. Uh, and obviously, he's not working with Itor Gross Matos on that edge. But tell you what, this kid is interesting. Um, and and he was talk. We talked about it during his recruitment. You know, could he play elsewhere on the football field? You know, quarterbacks where he starts. But I think this kid, because of that athleticism, uh, he made he wanted to be quarterback all the way. It may be what he feels like he was born to do. Uh, and and we'll see what he how he develops there at Penn State. But with that kind of length and speed, uh, there's a lot of places on the football field that you can you can figure him in. Point without mentioning the Lions. So good for you. I was so tempted. Um, but, uh, Johnson is a guy that you've never doubted the athleticism. I mean, he's a he's a four-star athlete, a three-star quarterback is what we were saying last year. And there was a lot of schools that thought eventually he would be a wide receiver or something uh, of that nature where you get the ball in his hands and try to try to do something, you know, outside instead of throwing the ball. He threw a couple nice balls on Saturday. He still has a hitch in his develop uh, in his delivery. Um, his development is going to come along slower than Roberson from a passing perspective, but he, he does have potential to throw the you know to, to eventually be a guy that can throw the ball. 
too too soon to to uh, to figure that. But if you're looking at at finding a third guy, what Penn State's done over the last couple of years is when they bring in that uh, when they, when they bring in that quarterback, they ultimately you know side with the run. They try to get the basically. If you looked at every time they brought in a new quarterback in the last couple of years, the first place a quarterback draw. I don't know if that's something that's uh, you know they're doing on purpose, but. Johnson gives you the opportunity to, to run around a little bit. And, and, it, and let's be honest, if you get to Johnson or Roberson this year, you're in trouble anyway. But Johnson gives you the option to run around a little bit, to, to put the ball in somebody else's hand. And I think he can maybe manage it a little bit more than Roberson. Roberson is a, is a better passer. He's better, you know, I think a better quarterback if you're just going by the strictly uh, definition standards. But uh, they got to get those guys reps. They got to get them ready because the, the, the third team guys, I said, I think I said it earlier this week, the third team guy is going to be the guy that's been practicing with the varsity the fourth team guy is going to be the guy that's with the scout team and that's going to be a big difference when they're talking about building reps for them going into their which should be their red shirt or red shirt freshman year that's the other thing that i'm curious about with how they'll handle who is the number three and number four quarterback because these are different quarterbacks these are different athletes so in terms of preparing you for games i mean there's a guy in Columbus right now who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes, and, and people know pretty well here in Happy Valley who has blazing speed, and Michael Johnson would seem to be the guy who could maybe match up on that when you're preparing for, for Ohio State this year. So uh, we'll see how, how it goes from there. I don't want to spend too much time on, on the number three quarterback conversation, but, but good things in practice from Johnson on Wednesday night. Uh, another newcomer, this one on special teams, Jordan Stout. Uh, I think he's done a nice job of winning over his teammates um, last night, the, the final rep, and this is the second straight practice we've seen where, where special teams ended things on a high note and, and sent everybody into, you know, to eat and, and take showers and go home and sleep. But it was a kickoff situation, no unit or anything. And, and these guys were taking turns, just driving the ball downfield, basically testing their accuracy, t- uh, you know, testing their range. Um, you had KJ Hamler, Keaton Ellis, um, Devin, uh, sorry, not Devin Ford, Ricky Slade and Journey Brown out, out back, um, you know, taking turns, feeling these kickoffs. Jordan Stout booted this thing out the back of the end zone uh, by a solid five to ten yards, and there was a roar from his teammates. They were hyped up, and we've talked about. I mean, the first thing I did, I turned to one of our esteemed colleagues out there on the field, Sean, and I said, "How did Virginia Tech not find a scholarship for Jordan Stout?" And their loss is Penn State's gain, and I'll tell you what, he's going to make the staff look really smart if he can do that consistently. The football weapons nerds dream. Like when you when you think about all these different ways to to sort of tilt the, the the balance toward you without thinking about hey, it's a kickoff guy. I mean, let's be honest. He, he's a kicker. Nobody loves kickers. And, um, but if he can change the field for you like that, I think uh, James Franklin and Joe Lorig made a point to point out that he was fourth in the country in kickoff uh, efficiency or, or whatever stat they pulled up. So um, he can be a weapon. If he can start them out on the 25 every time, I mean, it takes the pressure off. You saw what returns could do in the Citrus Bowl against, uh, I know it's a different different avenue but you saw what the Kentucky did in the Citrus Bowl with big returns so if you don't make your players have to make those plays those you know those open field tackles and things like that I mean that's just uh, taking a little bit of pressure off of everybody it gets your defense into a, a rhythm in terms of where it starts on the down and distance where it starts on the field all that kind of stuff so the, the the more routine that you can get that ball out of the end zone, the better off. I remember, I remember when I was a student watching David Kimball just boot the hell out of the ball and send it down through the uprights at times. So, um, I mean, it, it, it certainly has the potential to be a weapon, and we knew that's what they were going to go to going through. Whether or not he makes a move in the kickoff, I, I thought Saturday he looked good uh, as, a, as a field goal guy um, going up against Pinnaker. So, I mean, he, I, I think he's going to come in 
right away make an impact and, and of the two transfers, probably just the more immediate impact of the two. Before we get to Nick Dawkins, who again really goes in depth with us on the 2020 Penn State recruiting class that has changed so dramatically this summer, uh, a couple uh, coaches made available to us after practice, one of them being the head guy, James Franklin. We'll start there. Um, the question I asked to Franklin was was about Noah Kane and Devin Ford, uh, guys that we've spoken at length here on the podcast about. And, and Jaywan Sider was really high on Noah Kane in the summer about the way he finished spring camp, especially those last couple weeks and the, the blue-white game itself now franklin said something interesting about uh, kane you know He's a guy who's not necessarily going to wow you on the practice field, but when it's live and the bullets are being fired and, and guys are trying to hit you and tackle you, he says that's when Noah Kane is going to open a lot of eyes. And and he projects Noah Kane, and this is different than a guy like Ricky Slade, and this is different than Journey Brown, and I think it's different than Devin Ford too. He thinks he's going to be a guy who just takes the ball, consistently picks up four-plus yards, moves the chains, may not have a, a run longer than 12 yards over the course of a game, but all of a sudden you look in the box score and Franklin says, and, and he's got 100 plus yards and you won the game and he was a big part of it and and I just love that because I think that complements a lot of these other guys in the backfield well and, and for my money that makes him a really good candidate to emerge as the season progresses and become that true change of pace guy because we're talking about some slashers that are in this backfield with him when he got to Devin Ford he says Ford has flashed we've talked about it before he came to campus physically prepared for this moment uh, and he's going to get his opportunities too. The interesting note here is that Franklin says that you know while running back is clearly a luxury for this team right now with what they have, you know he 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 the only thing he has a little bit uh, he wishes that there was more spaced out in terms of the scholarship guys because right now you've got a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore, and two true freshmen. Uh, so he's and, and look we're going to be talking about running backs here in a moment on the recruiting trail too. They're doing pretty well there. But that's a great problem to have uh, in terms of you know scholarship spacing. It is what it is. But I don't think anyone you know is you're going into this and saying we got to redshirt this guy. I think they're going to play who earns the spot. And, and obviously you'll have to be wise about this as the season goes on. And you know say if Devin Ford's only appeared in one or two games through six seven games, then then you know you've got to have a conversation and everyone's healthy. But I'm not ruling any of these four running backs out uh, in terms of breaking through and becoming, you know, big time contributor. Obviously, Ricky Slade appears to be ahead of the pack, and and that makes sense. But I just I could see anybody bursting out this season, Sean. As the position, everybody at every level in the last couple of years, but it's still at the same time. This is a position that you can come in and play right away. I think Penn State's going to try and play as many of these guys. And I, I put in my story yesterday uh, about when I wrote about Kevon Lee. It's Penn State has recruit, or excuse me, since James Franklin's first full class in 2015, Penn State's redshirted two running backs, and that's Andre Robinson and Journey Brown. Journey Brown obviously had to build up. Andre Robinson came in with a guy that they played right away, um, as well. So um, it, it, it's one of those situations where it's that those guys probably, you know, if if they do what they need to do, and we saw this with Miles Sanders, even if you just get one year, you can go at any time. So you want to play those guys as, as early as possible, get them their experience, and sort of make this an assembly line where, hey, you, you want to see Ricky Slade here for one more year. You want to see Noah Kane and, and Devin Ford here for two more years. You want to bring in Keziah Holmes, possibly, and Kevon Lee, and just keep cycling them through. And I think that that's what we're looking at in terms of roster building. And you can find a role for each of those guys. Yeah, last year, when you look at the roster and how it shaped up with a couple of uh, fifth-year seniors, Jonathan Thomas and Mark Allen, you know, on, on the four or five deep, that's not really going to be the formula moving forward with the way they're recruiting and the way these guys are emerging. And I think the thought is, 
Uh, you know, I know people want to value the degree and value the experience, but these are the kind of running backs that are thinking in three years, I, I want to be a millionaire because I'm really good at what I do. These are top 10 running backs in the country. And Noah Kane said about three times on, on signing day, the words, you know, three, three years at Penn State, my three years at Penn State. So, you know, these guys have goals and, and they involve the NFL and, and Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley in back-to-back years have proven that Penn State can help you get to that point. Um, defensive tackle, it's a spot that Franklin has mentioned during the offseason that they, they you know, they want to see some clarity there uh, beyond the top couple guys. It sure looks like Robert Windsor and Antonio Shelton are going to be your starters. You know, and, and we've said before, it doesn't really matter because P.J. Mustafer is going to be involved, whether or not he's the first team guy. And, and you need a rotation here because Sean Spencer is going to implement one. Uh, but the interesting note uh, so far, Sean, and you had this in your projected depth chart is Damian Barber, a um, third year player out of Harrisburg High School, a guy who got to campus later than all of his uh, classmates a couple years ago because had to fulfill some academic requirements to get there, transitioned from defensive end, moved inside. Uh, Right now, it sounds like, you know, Franklin's feeling pretty comfortable about this top four, and you can throw him in with Mustafer, Shelton, and Windsor. Barber is a guy that gives you something a little bit different in there. Hansard, I'm not sure, is 100% right now. We saw him on Saturday go through some drills and he looked fine. They pulled him out, they stretched him out, and that's pretty much the last we saw of him. So it's going to be about getting Fred back on his feet and comfortable with that nasty injury that he had last year. But Barber gives you something a little bit different. You're pairing him up with P.J. Mustafer right now. Mustafer can can really do it all. He can take up space or he can rush the passer. Barber's more of a, a pass-rushing guy, but he can also contain and do some things. I think you, you have a little bit of flexibility when you have Barber out there, maybe more so than Shelton um, with the first team. So... Uh, it's a credit to him. I mean, he's put in the work. He's done what he had to do. I'm actually in the middle of writing a Damian Barber story, uh, depending on how many quotes I can gather, because I love you, Damian. You're not a very good interview. Um, But uh, that should be up soon. But Barber can have a role in this team, and if he wins that fourth job, I mean, that's that's looking pretty good, because you still have Hanser, who's got some experience, Judge Culpepper, don't know if he's there yet, but uh, you know he's had a good summer, so you've got some options at defense tackle. Still, it's still it's one, two, three, then a gap, and then you've got that next group. But still, I mean, any any depth you can cultivate at uh, at defensive tackle, you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, glad you have at the end of the season. Speaking of defensive tackle depth, uh, Franklin made it a, a point to mention a couple of his freshmen at that position. One of them, Akeem Beeman, uh, out of Virginia. Devin Ford told me he felt like Akeem Beeman was the most overlooked member of this recruiting class uh, when they were coming to campus so I, I value Devin although you know there's a little bit of a Virginia love thing there in, involved uh, the other was Joseph Darqua which is you know a guy who just got off the plane and they gave him pads and and coming over from Germany uh, you know one of the more unique recruiting processes anybody on this staff has been involved in uh, Franklin says with Darqua he's got all the athleticism he looks great and we saw that firsthand he said the tricky thing is you should not. You can't take anything for granted with Joseph Darqua. Um, you know, Terry Smith said he had never heard the phrase "restroom." He didn't know what a restroom was. Uh, you know, s- things as simple as that. You got to kind of, you know, kind of hold his hand a little bit through this process. He doesn't have family or friends here in Pennsylvania. He's making new friends, and he's part of this Penn State football family. But he's only been around for what a couple weeks, uh, uh, if that. So. You know, the other thing Franklin said was he has never practiced more than two days in a row during a game week. So this is a big challenge to him physically and mentally right now.
right now, but to hear some good positive reviews of a guy like Joseph Darkwa and, and then Akeem Beeman, who again, frankly went out of his way to say that he has flashed and he's really impressed them. And Beeman's one of those players who seems like he can contribute in a few different roles. So, you know, again, uh, don't want to go too far with the freshman. And, and, and PJ Mustafer is a total outlier in terms of true freshmen who have played for Sean Spencer. But, uh, you know, a couple couple good starts, I guess you could say, for those two. Does not seem like a sophomore. But uh, going back to Beeman, this is a guy that we thought would start his career at defensive end and eventually transition down. Well, he just got thrown right in right in, right away at defensive tackle. So uh, like Barber, uh, athletic kid, he had some twitch off of the end. Probably wasn't going to stay there you know, his entire career. But uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you take an athletic kid and move him inside, and all of a sudden he's more athletic than the rest of the defensive tackle. So that's good. Darkwa, I mean... It's gonna be it's gonna be an adventure. I mean, this is the kid looks like a million bucks. I mean, he looks like he could still add forty pounds and, and be fine, uh, thin in the upper body for a two hundred and eighty pounder or whatever it is. So uh, he's gonna he's gonna spend some time with Dwight Galt. Athletically, he's you know he's up there with those other guys. But uh, it's gonna be quite an, an adventure. You talk about that freshman wall. You don't really think of uh, of adding language and adding all these different uh, aspects of American life to it. So it's going to be interesting to watch his development uh, athletically with the raw, the, the raw talent that he can put, put out. You know, he's got a future here, but he's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to do his, uh, do his thing and, and sort of fit in and, and, and adapt to American culture. And then we'll see what, what they've got in him. Yeah, between Dwight Gull and Sean Spencer, they got to just be letting their imaginations run wild with this defensive line group. If there's a better-looking group uh, from top to bottom in college football – uh, you'll have to convince me. I'll put it that way. Uh, also got Terry Smith, who not only is a, a cornerbacks coach and a former Penn State player, of course, uh, but he is the defensive recruiting coordinator. So it's always uh, interesting to hear his thoughts on go- how guys have developed. Um, he, first off, he said it's night and day, this defensive group at, at, at large in terms of the athleticism and depth versus when he first arrived on campus as an assistant coach and a member of Franklin's staff. Not really surprising to hear, but you know, reinforces that uh, the depth here it, it, and the way they've recruited and stockpiled talent um, is really just it's on a different uh, trajectory than than a lot of people probably could have anticipated a few years ago for this program. Um, additionally, some thoughts on the defensive backfield. It sounds like Smith is very confident in the way his first unit is developing. So that's John Reed at cornerback, who he says is all the way back, and then some. That's Tariq Castro-Fields, who he raved about his 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 how much he's advanced physically. And then at safety, Garrett Taylor, an emerging leader for this team. And next to him, sure sounds like Lamont Wade is making his case t- to stay on the first team and to kind of stiff-arm Jaquan Brisker, who came into camp. Um, you know, came in uh, to campus this summer, and and we talked about him pushing uh, Lamont Wade, but but Wade continues to be the first teamer there as he was throughout spring camp, um, and it doesn't sound like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Very encouraged by Lamont Wade, um, so I think that's good to hear if you're a Penn State fan that 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 Smith has this kind of confidence. He didn't leave a lot of gray area uh, when we kind of opened the door for him to say it's a competition. He didn't say it wasn't a competition, but he sure did reconfirm uh, Lamont Wade's status as, as the front runner, from what I heard. Um, no, I mean, it's it's one of those things I think the scrimmages will go a long way in determining, you know, which guys are comfortable back there. And it's going to take Brisker a couple of weeks to get uh, to get acclimated to the calls and things like that. But in that time, that's time that Wade can put space in between he and Brisker. So um, be interesting to see where this competition stands in a couple of weeks. But it sounds like Wade has done what he what he's needed to do to uh, to get where he needs to be. 
Interestingly, uh, you've got uh, Smith feeling comfortable with that first unit, but we saw with the second unit last week, Keaton Ellis seems to be rising up through through there, which it really isn't a surprise. I mean, this is a kid that was here in spring, turned some heads. He and Marquise Wilson were kind of lumped together, but we saw um, Keaton Ellis out there with the second team on Saturday, and it seems like you know he fit. He fit in there. He's 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 bigger than you know that kid that we used to see. It's you know pop up for for Penn State games every week, but uh, he's just uh, athletically he can hang. And uh, interested to see, and I expect him to play right away. And I, I don't expect him to redshirt. Yeah, Terry Smith called him a, a contributor this season. Didn't necessarily say in what capacity, but I certainly think he can fill some roles in special teams at least, and 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 maybe be that fourth cornerback. You know, Donovan Johnson's a guy that's probably not getting talked about enough overall uh, at the spot but you know Keaton Ellis I'm with you if he can avoid those deer in the headlight moments and I think so far he has uh, there's no reason that that he will not be part of this defensive secondary as a true freshman additionally I think to a lesser degree uh, they are encouraged by Joey Porter Jr. Terry Smith talking about uh, obviously what he brings mentally being a guy who was out on the practice field with the Steelers covering Antonio Brown uh, you know uh, last few years and and, and has just been ingrained uh, as the son of a former all-pro NFL player, you know, and, and I think they like where he's at physically, um, but he got to campus later, you know, later in the process uh, this offseason, so, but I think they, that cornerback continues to be a spot where you like the way that's developing. On the recruiting trail, Sean, uh, we've talked about August being potentially a big month before we get into the season. We're going to have an answer on Friday from Keziah Holmes. We have a story up on Lines 24-7. I caught up with him on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, he's made his decision. He made it last week. Florida State was the last team to host him, uh, but Penn State got an official visit. The crystal ball is unanimously in favor of the Nittany Lions, and this is a guy who had 1,500 total yards last year for Cocoa High School down in Florida, uh, 20 total touchdowns. Uh, he's bought in on J1 Sider. He is a big fan of Saquon Barkley, and I know we are both anticipating he's going to be the next member of the 2020 Penn State class. Uh, it's it's looking better and better each day. I mean, you've got those guys that are on campus, and then you've got Keziah Holmes. By the way, Coco, a lot of people consider that to be the top uh, program in Florida in terms of top uh, top producing, top run, uh, I guess most well-run uh, programs in Florida. So really good program in Florida. You've got Holmes, who's uh, you know that slasher type. He's very fast. He ran, I think he ran a four four seven at the opening this year. So gives you a little bit uh, what you've got with uh, with Slade and with uh, with Journey more so than the two guys they just brought in. But you know you'll you'll take him as you get him. He's a he's a high four star kid and and Jay Wan Sider is working some magic. Threw in a crystal ball. For for Kevon Lee, who's set to announce at the end of August. Um, Penn State likes where they stand with him. Uh, another another guy, uh, if you bring in Keziah Holmes and you bring in Kevon Lee, that's about as well complimented as you could get. I mean, Kevon Lee is a sort of the, the Noah Kane's uh, guy between the tackles. He can run strong. He can also catch the ball uh, coming out of the backfield. Really, really good all-around back. I believe we have him number 78 overall in the top 247 rankings on 24-7 sports. Um, so if you can get those two guys by the end of August, still re- still going to recruit Jalen Berger. Jaywan Sider's earned a raise, man. He's, <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's earned whatever it takes to make sure he stayed in the Valley. I guess the good thing is his son is one of the walk-on members that, that's coming in. So there's some incentive to stick around perhaps. But I think Jaywan Sider really seems comfortable with this program and, and, and the staff starting with James Franklin. And he's recruiting like that. And, and he's thinking long-term with this group. And he's got to feel good. And if he goes down and plucks these two players out of, out of the Sunshine State, guys who have offers from the big schools down in Florida, SEC, ACC, to come up here, Central Pennsylvania speaks volumes about what he's selling. And again, 
Number 26, now in a Giants uniform, helps drive that narrative too. And from what we're hearing about Miles Sanders, what he's doing in Philadelphia Eagles preseason camp, he's another guy that you can be able to throw on the highlight reel on Sundays now and maybe build your case for that RBU conversation. Last note here, um, we were thinking maybe an August commitment, perhaps it still will be, but offensive tackle Ibrahim Traore out of New York City, um, he earned the offer a couple weeks ago at Penn State's last prospect camp, was really impressive there. It seemed like he was going to, you know, kind of bridge the gap really quickly from offer to commitment. Um, Now, maybe not so fast. Brian Doan, a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, caught up with his coach. And and, and now this could go a lot further, maybe beyond his senior year. Yeah, Traore's all over the place right now. I think he wants to get the process done. I think some of the people around him are saying to slow it down, maybe take some official visits. You never know who's going to pop up on the radar. I think he wants Penn State right now. I have my crystal ball in for him, so... Um, not sure which way that's going to go. Maybe he tries to commit and take uh, visits down the road. So uh, uh, it's turned into a high priority for Penn State since that camp where you and I saw him. He looked looked pretty good, and they need tackles, obviously. But a uh, little bit of a wrench into the plans. I mean, that, that was something he came out with, said he's going to announce on August 25th, and then all of a sudden the tweet's deleted, and you know everything's back to where it was before. So not quite sure when that's going to happen. Um, and, and circling back to our last episode, we talked about Zariah Fisher. He was set to announce on, on August 5th, I believe it was, whatever Monday was. Uh, I'm lost on dates here. But um, pushed it back. And, and, and as we said uh, on our last episode, it, that's a good thing for Penn State. I mean, if he, if he were to push things back, we think we was going to commit to uh, Michigan State. So give Penn State a chance to get an official visit and on, on a guy they want from Western Pennsylvania and, and sort of uh, match up official for official. I think that was the big thing to take away from last week's uh, talking about Zariah Fisher is official visits are great. Everything's great about official visits. They rarely ever you hear a bad thing unofficial visits are are good too you just don't get the depth in terms of visits so going to give them a chance to compare official against official and we'll see that stands coming out and refreshing to hear a recruit uh like Zariah Fisher go out and say I'm just not ready and so I'm not going to commit because there's a lot of kids who may be embarrassed to do that and, and having to step back off their plans and they just go through with a commitment announcement and then a week later say what the heck did I get myself into I was not ready so Sarai Fisher pressing pause a little bit and reassessing um, we did catch up with Nick Dawkins as I said he talked about Ibrahim Troyore. they camped alongside each other a lot of good insight on what maybe he could bring to Penn State's class if he does commit and a lot more with Nick Dawkins coming up but first this quick commercial break Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As promised, we have a member of the 2020 Penn State recruiting class joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. In fact, to my knowledge, he is the first repeat 
prospect guest on the show. It's Nick Dawkins, uh, Penn State commit. And, and the funny thing is, before he, he came on and we started recording this, you know, we talked about the last time he was on this show just a few months ago, and, and I'll post a link to that initial interview on the article that goes with this podcast. But that conversation, Nick, you were kind of the new kid on the block with this class, and here we are entering August, and, and you're one of the vets in this group, and it's been a wild summer. So much has changed. You, you've lost a few guys from the class, but you've added a bunch. So first off, thanks for, for being a repeat guest. As I said, I think you're the first guy to do that. Uh, thank you for having me. It's always great to come on here. Well, let's start off with the fa- this summer because um, you know the transformation of this recruiting class has been a big storyline. I think it's driven some of our listeners and readers and, and Penn State fans in general a little bonkers because they feel like they're on a roller coaster and, and they don't know what to expect the next day. Mm. How's it been from your vantage point? Really going back to June, I think since June 3rd, there have been 15 additions to your class, 16 commitments overall. And then there's been five decommitments along the way. What's it looked like from your perspective? I mean, it's definitely like hectic. I mean, someone told me like the recruiting process is like crazy. And I was like, oh, yeah. And now I'm really seeing that um, just like getting to know people and then them just leaving is like a little crazy to me. But at the end of the day, they're making the best decision for themselves. But the new people that we're adding, which is we're focused on people we have, not who we lost. Like we're adding great people, great players in like, People of great personality, people who like want to be at Penn State and want to do the best to win a national championship. A few days ago, um, well, now about a week ago, you were at the Lash Bash Barbecue with a bunch of these guys, a, a nice representation of the recruiting class. And, you know, there have been these Lash Bashes in, in the past where, where guys have some familiarity in place already, and it's kind of a reunion for these classes it wasn't really a reunion for you guys. It was more of a meet and greet. Um, I, I have to imagine it was a lot of matching faces to names breaking the ice a little bit. How beneficial was that experience for your class growing that bond as you get closer to National Signing Day? I mean, it's definitely cool because, I mean, we all like talk on the phone and group chat all the time, but now being able to actually meet them and see you're going to be going to war with soon, it's definitely good. And to actually talk to them in real life and see how they are. Like, I knew Bryce was tall, but I did not know he was that tall. My man is like an NBA power forward. So seeing everyone and like actually getting to like talk to them and all that, in real life, is was definitely, like, big. You mentioned Bryce. I saw Bryce out there on the practice field on Friday night. Um, and we'll get to you. You were actually competing out there at the camp. Um, but, but, you know, it brings me to the personality thing because I think a lot of people got a, a pretty interesting introduction to Bryce Mostella's personality <laughs> with his commitment video. I believe you may have tweeted. Uh, I forget what you retweeted. You had a nice little response to it, too. But he's obviously a guy who, he called himself kind of shy when we talked. He said he wasn't necessarily an outgoing guy in social settings, which was surprising to me because of what he produced from a commitment video. How would you describe his personality? And, uh, you know, obviously, what was your reaction to the commitment video? Because I got to say, I've been involved in college football one way or the other for about 13 years now. And uh, that was a first for me. (laughs) Me and him been talking a lot. And he's just a good guy, period. Just a good guy, like he has common sense, his head's on short, screw tight. He's he's a great guy. With the video he posted, that was <laughs> that was just interesting. I mean, because I don't know any recruit that is that bold enough like to do that. So that just kind of shows you that he'll just do whatever, and like he, he's just like <laughs> he's out there. But he's a good guy. He just thinks outside the box, and just talking to him, he, he's he's just a good guy. Seeing him like in real life, just talking to him, you really get like good vibes and like yeah i can i can really um play with this guy and like be a great teammate with him 
Bryce said he had known for a while that, that he was ready to commit. Um, he commits July uh, 5th, I believe it was. And, 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 and it was such a run uh, a few days before that Parker Washington out of Texas, you got Bryce out of Michigan. I'll go through, I'll go through the names here just since June 3rd here, who has been added to the class. Uh, this is more for our listeners than you. Cause I know you're aware of all this, but Enzo, Enzo Jennings, a defensive back out of Michigan, uh, Jaden Dotton, a wide receiver out of New England, uh, Koziah Izzard, defensive lineman out of Maryland, Joseph Johnson, a cornerback out of Virginia, Parker Washington out of Texas at wide receiver, uh, Olu Fushanu, Washington, D.C. offensive lineman, Amin Vanover, a defensive lineman out of New Jersey, Bryce Mostella, who we mentioned out of Michigan on the defensive ends position, Brandon Taylor, another defensive lineman out of Ohio, Norval Black out of Lackawanna College, Jair Brown out of Lackawanna College, Tyler Warren out of Virginia, Tyler Elsden out of Pennsylvania, Malik Mega out of Montreal up in Canada, and Fatorma Malba out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Let me catch my breath, but that has all gone down since June 3rd, man. Again, it's been pretty wild. What's been the message, uh, you know, from Franklin, from the staff, not, you know, not at, not just adding all these guys, but when you do suffer some of those losses, and we won't get into any of those specifically, but when you got, you know, three guys leaving the class in one week, like what happened in June, what's the message from the staff to make sure that everybody's staying on track with getting to Penn State and, and, and realizing their goals? It's like you got to remember the reason why you fell in love with the place in the first time, like the first place to commit. That's the biggest thing because a lot of guys, after they commit, they scroll on Twitter and see people taking visits and like they reminisce, think about, oh, man, that was such a fun time. Like, I want to do it again and just love the recruiting process. So they want to go do it again. Or maybe they just did more research or, or something like that and just didn't think that Penn State was the right fit for them. But at the end of the day, it, it's the right fit if you make it the right fit. Like for me. Like Penn State, I I got grew I grew up in Pennsylvania. I love like Pennsylvania sports and see Penn State. Like I don't care like where I have to play it on the on the line or anything like that. As long as I I work and get on the field because it's all about the work you put in. So people worried about like playing time already with other commits and people like that. That's just I don't think they're the right guy for the fit if that's what they're worried about. August 1st is a pretty big day on the recruiting calendar. I don't think a lot of fans necessarily are aware of it, um, but it is the day when these offers go from kind of a theory to an official offer. Um, and you got yours. I saw you, I saw you posted that, uh, the, the graphic of the, uh, of the offer that you got. What did that moment mean to you, your family? Obviously, you, you were very comfortable with it. You were going to be a Penn State football player, but I have to imagine – when it becomes even more solidified like it does on August 1st for you, it's another special moment. I mean, it's real now. Like, the whole, like, recruiting process now is coming down to an end. Like, me, I'm ready to sign my letter and just get to, like, sign my uh, national letter of intent and just get to work. That's that's what I'm concerned about. And now seeing that I got that official offer, like, I'm, I'm just ready to go to work. I'm ready right now to win a state championship with my high school. And after that, I'm ready just to go and get to work at Penn State. It's like, it's real now, like, my mom was talking with my mom. It's like, yeah, it's not uh, it's not just sitting on Twitter anymore, just taking visits and all that. It's, it's starting to get real now. Well, another season ahead for you at Parkland High School in Allentown. I know you're focused on that, but, uh, you know, four and a half months from now, uh, you will put pen to paper, I would imagine, during that early college signing period. Do, do you have any uh, kind of indication of, of when you're going to get to campus and, and actually enroll? Is it going to be early? Is it going to be next summer? Yeah, no, I'm early enroll. Uh, I think like something sometime in January, January 11th or something like that. 
that's when I'll be there. What's the big advantage uh, or advantages that you see in, in graduating high school early? You know, foregoing some of that stuff that, you know, a quote unquote normal high school student would maybe enjoy in the second half of their senior senior year. You know, why is that important to you? So one one of the biggest things is um, I want to get that spring ball in because a lot of freshmen aren't able to get that in uh, because they're coming to summer. So they have that extra one if they graduate, gradu like graduate transfer. But for me, that's one of the biggest things is actually getting in and competing against guys who who've been playing in the Big Ten. Like that's big for me. Then being able to work with Coach Gall. I mean, you know, you know, Coach Gall. Like he just produces monsters. So getting that nutrition and that weightlifting in is like ginormous and I'll be pivotal to my college career just getting that early start as well as I'll get to jump on class a whole like semester I'll be able to graduate early and or graduate with two degrees that's big time just to be able to set myself up like that and like I know a lot of people are talking about like the memories you have from your last year as a senior year but at the end of the day I come, I, I'm coming to work and if I just sitting at home just doing my own little thing like lifting and all that during that time, then I think I thought about it. I'm like, well, I could just be getting better and working with Coach Gold instead of just sitting at home. So at this point, I thought it was the best decision for me just to go and get to work and get that early start. And last year, we saw a couple early enrollees, Jesse Lucetta, Micah Parsons, pl playing every Penn State game. Obviously, Micah led the, the team in tackles as a true freshman, uh, getting to campus early. A huge group got to campus early this this past year, and, and you can count Nick Dawkins among those who plan to do the same. Nick, I saw on Twitter, I think it was a couple nights ago, you, you shared some highlights of, of Pops, Daryl Dawkins out there. And, and again, that's something we covered this topic at length. Uh, in, in your previous podcast uh, appearance here and, and what your dad has meant to you and what his legacy uh, has meant to your family. Um, when stuff like that pops up in your timeline and or, or highlights show up or a mention comes up and it's, you know, not necessarily um, someone bringing it to you, it just, it's, it passes in front of your face. It must stir up all sorts of emotions for you. At this point, it, it's, it just, to me, it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta build this legacy of my last name. I gotta do it. Cause no, I mean, like, I kind of owe that to my father that I got to do something great with my name the way that he set me up and set my family up and the morals that he taught me. I have to put a, keep my name good for my family and put on, like, a legacy and do, do what's right, take care of my priorities. I love it. And highly recommend Daryl Dawkins highlights uh, to the folks out there who want to watch a heck <laughs> of a sure. basketball player and just an elite athlete go to work. Looking ahead for you, um, it's been a great summer in terms of not just your development, it seems, but also in really establishing a rapport with with Matt Limegrover, Matt Limegrover Penn State's offensive line coach. Uh, you've worked under his supervision at four different camps over the course of this summer, most recently last Friday. Tell me why that has been so important to you, because we've seen a lot of the commits and, and, you know, it's their decision, but they'll come to camp and and they're kind of more fine standing to the side or, or kind of following around the coach or or helping a little bit. You're out there. You're going full bore. You're going 100 percent with these reps. Um, you know, what, what motivated you to make sure that you could get to these camps and compete? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm so close to campus compared to other guys that there's really no excuse for me not to get to camp. And. At the end of the day, like I'm, I told you, I'm, I'm trying to get there early, get like the jump start. I'm just trying to work. And Coach Langrove, that's going to be my coach. So to build that relationship with him, see how he coaches, and just get to know him even better than I do now, that's a big priority for me. And like I want to be the best I can be. So for even like for my high school team, I go 
work with Coach Heingrover, take some stuff and put it in my toolbox for my high school season and just develop and get better and better every year. I think I can just, if I keep working with Coach Heingrover and just working like my tail off as I do in my high school, I can just be, I can be a really great lineman. So I have no excuse not to get to work. So when I get there, I'm not just walking around and stuff. I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to get after it because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any injuries or anything like that. So it's just, it's good to show show up and put in my work and show the coaches that I, I, I'm prepared to play. Like, I'm ready. I'll do whatever for the team. That was me knocking on wood uh, about your mention of injuries so close to preseason camp. I, I did that for you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> obviously, I hope you get through uh, ha- healthy and happy as a senior. Let's talk about that camp, though, because there was a really compelling prospect uh, alongside you during reps. You were working in at guard. Uh, and then on the perimeter at tackle, Ibrahim Traore out of New York City. I thought he really showed up and, and played well. Uh, Penn State coaches challenged him late in camp, really threw a lot of reps his way. Um, had himself an evening, and then he comes away with an offer, sticks around at the Lash Bash. And what did you see from Ibrahim on the field, working with him uh, competitive-wise, physicality-wise? And then in the, in the Saturday what was your sense about what he may add to this class, and 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 where do you think maybe his recruitment is trending? So, I mean, I I know Ibrahim for a while because we we actually um we may have like a rivals camp, same with Devin Willard, and he he was he was going to work there. He, I think he got MVP there. So like I know he's a hard worker. I mean, he's grinding for everything he has, especially like in New York City. It's all boxing, compact, and still finding a way to get work. So when we got to camp and I saw him there, he told me he was going to be there. I mean, I, I told him, I said, hey, let's go, let's put in this work, get the scholarship. And he did exactly that. He showed up and did what he was supposed to do. Had good technique, and he was very coachable with Coach Langrover. And a lot of guys, like when Coach tried to critique, they just look away or they don't pay attention. He was there. He was all, he was in the zone. And he was just working. And that's that's what you want with a teammate. I want someone who just put his head down and go to work. And he was exactly like that. So it, it, it was good to see how he is as a player, too, seeing him in second camp and talking with him. And I've known him for like a grip now, so seeing him like at Lash Bash and talking with him, he's definitely a he's a quieter guy than a lot of people are, especially me because I talk a lot. So he he's more of a quiet guy, but he's a good guy. Like everyone in his class, like I only have positive things to say about them because they're all good people. They're all Penn State guys. So I mean, with his recruitment now, I think that that Penn State visit, seeing being with all his commits and the camp and seeing how Coach Ranger coach. I mean, I, I hope he's trending towards our way, and I think he is. Yeah, I got a crystal ball pick in for him to go to Penn State. I know Sean Fitz does as well. And, and we love talkers at Lions 24-7, so you never have to apologize for that over here. Um, <laughs> uh, now, we got the scouting report, I guess you could say, from you on a couple of the fellow lineman commits. Last time you were on, RJ, Golden, they were on board. Um, one of the, the additions, though, that, really that, that started this whole commitment spree in early June, Olu Fashanu, out of Gonzaga, down in Washington D.C., curious to, to to hear your thoughts on him. Uh, and because right now it looks like you, R.J. Golden, projected a, to play inside at the next level. Olu mm. seems like he's going to handle tackle responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Olu, he I talked to him. He's a great guy. Like me and him talk a lot, and you can just tell like if you watch like his film and watch how he did at the opening, he's just an elite. He's elite. And with great coaching from Coach Weingrover and getting with the staff, like nutrition and weight staff, weight room staff, he's just going to be elite. And uh, like you said, me, Golden, RJ, at um, projected inside of me, shoot, if we grow a little bit, <laughs> I might be able to play tackle too. But 
Yeah, I think right now he's like the only like I guess true tackle prospect, and he he moves quick. He's strong. He's he's got the length. He's he's all he's all you want in the tackle. And last class, Caden Wallace was a guy that you know we talked a lot about him playing on the inside. He was a, a, a top five uh, recruit at the guard position, and now you know it, it, he really may have a chance to make an impact on the tackle depth chart. So versatility, obviously key. And you bring up a good point because I feel like every time I see you, you look a little bit taller, a little bit leaner. <laughs> uh, I mean, you are the son of NBA royalty, so I guess I should expect this the height, but. What are you checking in right now, at height and weight wise, and 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 do you think you have a ways to go in in your physical development? Yeah, uh, I'm like six four, like point three something like that. And my dad, he he hit a growth spurt one time this summer and grew seven inches, and he was six eleven going into his junior year. So now me, um, like now I think like, I don't know. I've been sleeping a lot like lately, and my growing pain's been killing me. So, I, I mean, I, I hope I'm growing because if not, this pain really hurts for no reason. <laughs> so, like, I, I think I can, like, recently, like, when we've been, like, measuring in, I've been growing, like, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 inches every single time. So, I think by the time I get there in January, I'll be at least 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. I hope so. I hope so. But I think I'm growing a lot right now. I can even tell, like, just now, like, looking at, like, looking at myself, like, and marking it, I'm like on my mirror. Like I, I've, I've been getting a little taller. Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely was noticeable. Uh, just seeing you a couple times this summer. Going back to Lash Bash, I know one name that uh, everybody seemed to mention when I talked to some of your class members that that they really wanted to make sure they made a strong impression on was Theo Johnson, yeah, yeah. Uh, another Canadian prospect. And we'll get to Malik uh, Mega in just a moment, but but Theo has been a priority for Penn State for a long time. I know he plans to get back during the season. He seems pretty torn right now um, among his top options at the college level. Uh, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan mentioned among those programs. For you, what do you think? Uh, where do you think Penn State stands with him based on on you know what you've talked about with him and and what the coaching staff has talked about him? Does he seem comfortable? Does he seem comfortable on campus and, and with your class? Yeah, I mean, he seems comfortable with our like at last best, he seemed comfortable with our class. But he even what's even better is he seemed like very comfortable with the players on the team. And like, I mean, there's a, what there's like 20 kids in our class, but there's a lot more on the team. And to get to know the guys like that, like veterans, like Micah and all them, that's that's even bigger than just the recruiting class itself because those are guys who are actually going through it right now, practicing, working, and you get the best, you can get the best like true. Um, stories from them because they they're not gonna lie they're gonna tell you how it is and that's that's what you want you want people to tell the truth and I think it was big that he actually made the trip to come up to Lash Bash shows that he definitely has serious interest in us and if he comes for the rideout game I don't understand how you wouldn't be able to come because that's just that's amazing that that one of the best but no, I'm sorry not one of that is the best game atmosphere in college football. It is pretty incredible, and that that press box really starts to shake, man. Uh, it makes you a little nervous, and it, it is definitely a crazy time. Now, now staying with the Canadian theme, uh, Malik Mega uh, joins this group, and I mean, you look at the measurables at six foot three, one hundred eighty plus pounds. He's running in the low four fours, uh, impressive vertical leap, heck of an athlete to add to this to this class. Projected to play wide receiver at the next level, and he'll grow there with Jared Parker. He was on campus Friday and Saturday. Uh, committed uh, yesterday. Uh, what, what do you think about that addition? And, and did you see that one coming? Yeah, Megatron, man, he's a good, he's a good dude. I've been talking to him, especially after he committed. Just been talking to him a lot. And like, you cannot teach speed. Like six four, run a four four two forty. 
that's outrageous at this point. And now getting with Coach Gold and Coach Parker, the best wide receiver coach in the country, like that's all you can do is just develop and get better. Because, I mean, a lot of people say he's raw now, but getting with Coach Parker, that turned him to an elite receiver. And he's he's a great guy. Like, I mean, I can't say anyone in the class is a bad guy. I know I say that a lot, like great guy, but he is he's a good dude. I think he like once he gets to Penn State, he'll be great. He like, definitely <laughs> makes, he makes he makes a case to be one of the more most interesting members of this class for sure. He's got a lot going on, and and I have to go back Megatron. I am pretty upset with myself and Sean that we have not come up with that on this show before. Uh, love, <laughs> that's 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 perfect. Uh, last question here I want to get into from the Lash Bash um, is you have a chance to see all these players and and recruits and coaches, and I know there's got to be you know a lot of quick conversations, but we're curious out here who's stepping up in the Penn State locker room. They lost a, a lot of guys who have been around the program for several years this past offseason. It's kind of a youth movement in a lot of ways. Who do you see being the player ambassadors at an event like this? You know, who was at the forefront making sure uh, that they were they were in the recruits' ears, uh, you know, and really handling themselves as almost an extension of the coaching staff out there? It's not just one person. It, it's, it's, it's like a total group effort because I never just talked to one player there's like 10 players out there every time it, it's different it's not just one player I mean like I always talk to Caden I always talk to like Micah KJ like I see all of them uh, Aeneas like just talking to them and then like it switches every time just meeting new people every time I'm there like Blake uh Zalar like it, it's never just one person it's a total team effort which is even better than just one person so like it, it's a bunch of different people Sure, and uh, Micah's name always seems to pop up with this subject as well. And and, and so going back to Lash Bash, I'll leave you with this question: We we get glimpses of it every year via social media. Uh, probably one thing that stood out to me this year was Coach Chaos Sean Spencer rolling in on on a motorcycle. <laughs> what was your what, what what's a story that that you're not going to forget anytime soon from Saturday? Because I know it, it's it's a really kind of casual, not a lot of football recruiting talk out there. From what I understand, it it's a lot more laid-back family style. So what's your favorite story that, that you come away with from uh, Lash Bash? Uh, we, we were in there. They do, like, a, like um, music for coaches' introductions. And they played the, the Drake song, Walking Like a Talk. And I'm like, man, who is this? Is Coach Spencer? I look around, and Coach Grover comes walking down the stairs. I'm like, oh, man, Coach Grover got moves. Coach <laughs> Grover is with it. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm like, that, I mean, that's cool to see that, like, his personality. That's great. Well, you've gotten a chance to spend a lot of time with Lion Grover, as we said, uh, four different camps. You were there last Friday, and now you shift your focus. Enjoy these next couple days uh, of rest because things moving fast, and before you know it, uh, you'll be here on campus and, and starting a new chapter of your football career. But we'll be certain to catch up with you again. Appreciate you for giving us the time to hop on with this uh, before your senior season starts, and uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I told you all, Nick Dawkins, star of this podcast episode, without a doubt. Sean and I are just here along for the ride. Appreciative of Nick for his time. Uh, appreciative to you for your time. We'll be back next week with a couple new episodes. Uh, we will have more practice access, getting to know this Penn State squad more. As we said before, Kaziah Holmes, running back out of Cocoa, Florida, is going to announce his decision. He told me 6 p.m. Friday, so stay tuned for coverage of that. Um, additionally, as we said, Kevon Lee, running back, decision coming in August. So recruiting continues to roll on. This Penn State team continues to develop, and suddenly we are just about three weeks away from kickoff, ready or not. 
For now, I'm Tyler Donahue stepping aside on behalf of Sean Fitz. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.